I'm about to let it all out. I am angry and frustrated, and to be honest, I am filled with doubt. I've been praying for answers, but it feels like you are not there. Are you working behind the scenes, God? Do you even care? My finances are a mess and I'm drowning in debt. I've been praying for a miracle, but it hasn't happened yet. Are you working behind the scenes, God? Can you see my pain or you're too busy that you're okay seeing me suffer in vain? My loved ones are in the hospital and it's taking a toll. I'm praying for healing, but it seems like you're ignoring my call. Are you working behind the scenes, God? You know I need a job and a better pay, but it's like all I get is a no and a not today. I've been patient and faithful, as you say, but it seems like you're just messing up with my head. Are you working behind the scenes, God? I'm struggling with addiction and it's taking over my life. I'm praying for freedom, but it feels like I'm in a constant strife. Are you working behind the scenes, God? Can you break these chains? Or are you just watching while my life slowly drains? Are you working behind the scenes, God? My relationships are a mess and it's tearing me apart. I am praying for healing, but it feels like it's just the fourth start. Are you working behind the scenes, God? Can you mend what's been broken or you're just watching while my heart is left unspoken? Are you working behind the scenes? God. Behind the scenes, scene one, take one, roll one. Action. Hey, 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 Mavuno, how you doing? My name is, uh, my name is, yeah. Okay, cut. Um, yeah. Do, do you remember your name? Yeah, I think I got this. Okay, rolling again. <laughs> Behind the scenes, scene one, take two, roll two. Action! You know, sometimes I wish life was like a movie. And you mess up. And God, the big director in the sky, he just yells, cut! And he gives you a second chance to get it right. Don't you ever wish sometimes that happened? My name is Pastor M. I'm the senior pastor of Mavuno Church. And today we're kicking off a brand new series called Behind the Scenes, When God Goes Silent. Have you ever felt confused in life and wondered what in the world God was up to? When things weren't working, and despite all your prayers, the situation just seemed to go from bad to worse. Like, have you ever wished you could look behind the curtain and see what was really going on behind the scenes? Like, is God still sitting in that director's chair? Or has he left you alone on set and gone on a bathroom break? Life is often not like the movies. You know, when you're watching your favorite movie, that action movie, and things are going bad for your hero, what happens? You know, if you're, if you're like me, probably what you do is you, you, you don't feel too bad about it because you know there's a director. And you kind of know that as bad as things get, somehow the director is going to make things work right. And at the end, things are going to fall together. Maybe you're not one of those action hero type people. Maybe you're the rom-com type. And you like those movies where the boy meets girl and they fall in love. And of course, the movie always has this tension and things go bad and the relationship is going, it's messed up. But you know what? Because you know the, the genre of the movie you're watching, you're able to hang in there because you know somehow, despite all the odds, love is going to win. Come on, somebody. And you know they're going to meet together and somehow the boy is going to meet the girl again and they're going to come back together. You know, no matter how bad things get, they're going to get resolved. But you know the problem with life is we don't have that certainty. 
sometimes I ask myself, what if I'm not the main character like I thought? What if I'm that guy who dies before the movie ends? Have you ever thought like that about yourself? It's like I don't have control about how this movie is going to end. What if I'm one of those casualties in the movie? And, and, and so we start to panic and we start to wonder, what am I missing? Is the director still in control or have I been left alone on set? And so this month, we want to go behind the scenes and we want to see what God is really doing in our lives. If there's ever been a time in your life when you felt that God was missing in action, MIA, uh, if you've ever felt that God was inattentive to your situation, maybe you felt that God was late in answering your cries for help, then this series is for you. If you've ever been desperate for God to make a grand entrance in the stage of your life, and you've been sending him all the cues, it's your time, God. It's time for you to step into this play. And God has been silent. Well, right now, I want to say, this is for you. And even if you're going through a, a, a really good time right now, I want to say, all of us, at one point or the other, we experience this type of situation. And that's why I want you to be here uh, every week this month and to make sure you bring your friends as well to be part of this, because I believe it's going to change many lives as we prepare ourselves to understand what is happening behind the scenes. Now, when you're going through tough times, I want to say this, that I found that some things that can actually make the situation uh, make you feel worse. And one of the things that can make you feel worse is people like me, pastors. You know, we can make you feel like you're the odd one out because we make it look so simple sometimes. I mean, all you need is just a bit more faith. All you need is just to pray harder. All you need to do is just give more and fast a bit more and things are going to work around you and be perfect. But all around you, things are screaming and telling you it's not that simple. It's not that simple. And you're left thinking, this thing doesn't work. I prayed. I did what they said. It did not work. And so it's possible. Some of you right now, that's your thought. It's like Pastor M. Uh, you said God answers prayer and we need to pray at 4.30. And I've been coming faithfully to 4.30 prayers for a year. And I'm still struggling in my life. And you find yourself conflicted. Does this thing work? Is God really in that director's chair? Uh, and sometimes the other one that makes us feel bad is people around us. We all know people for whom life just seems to work well. I don't know if you know people like those. Maybe you're even in class with them. You know, it's like they were classmates. They have a great job. They have an amazing spouse. They live in a nice hood. They're going to the school of their dreams. They drive the car. They're going to drive the car of their dreams. They're going to get into whatever place they want to go. And to make matters worse, some of those guys don't even go to church. No, I'm talking about. It's like they don't even like God. They, 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 they just go golfing on Sundays and their life looks so smooth and so wrinkle-free. And you're, you're like, here I am. I'm trying to do the right thing and to do life the right way. And it's just not working. And this can accelerate the feeling that God is just MIA. God is just not present. He's just not in that director's seat. And then, of course... Christian friends can also make things uh, go feel a lot worse for you uh, because they can't stop talking about the things God has done for them. You know, they say things like, you know, the other day uh, I had this really important appointment in town and I prayed for God to give me a parking. And guess what? Just when I turned into Koinange Street, a car was coming out and then I just entered. Praise God. Praise God again. And you're like, really, God? <laughs> you know, you're saying amen, but in your heart, you're like, really, God? Like, that's so nice. Like, you're answering prayers like those, but I need a job. Like I've been without a job for a year. My marriage is on the rocks. I've been praying for my brother to quit alcohol. My dad has been sick and we're running out of money as a family. My child is failing in school. The pressure of being single is taking its toll. And I've been praying and fasting for all these important things. And God, you're, showing, you're giving people parking spots. <laughs> like, like really, God? 
That's the best you can do. And you know, you find that you don't even want to be around those people, let alone to be in a discipleship group with people because God is answering their petty little prayers about parking spaces and he's ignoring your life and death issues. And you know, these things can leave you feeling confused and frustrated and disappointed and wondering, what is it that I didn't do right? Like we feel like God has abandoned us. And so in turn, many of us, here's what we do. We abandon God as well. And it's like, you know, I no longer feel God. I've had people telling me, I no longer feel this spiritual thing, this religious thing, this church thing. I no longer feel God. And maybe some of you who are watching this, this is why you dropped out of church. It could be here, and you could be here for the first time in a very long time, after a very long absence in church. Maybe you just came to tick a box because you felt guilty or someone dragged you here or you just happened to be here. And maybe you're in that spot right now because you're wondering, in my life, God seems to have gone missing in action. M. IA. And that's what we're going to be talking about this month. So over the next few weeks, I'm going to tell you stories about people in the Bible for whom God, people who God supposedly loved, people who did everything right, great people. But when you look at their circumstances, everything screamed that God was missing in action. They needed the director to, to stop everything and say, cut, let's fix it. But the director seemed to be nowhere. He was missing from behind the scenes. And this series, let me just say, this is not an abstract series. I mean, I've been there many times. We've been there as a family. I, my wife and I have been there many times as a family. I remember one of the big prayers as a young couple that we prayed. And we cried out to God. And we cried out to God hard. And we prayed hard. And we had no answer. I mean, one of the, I remember one of those prayers was uh, praying for a child. And as a couple, we couldn't get children. I mean, we, we prayed and prayed. And the irony, here's the irony of this prayer. Let me just tell you guys, this was really hard. Uh, the irony of the prayer was that every time I prayed for people to have children, because I'm a pastor and that's what I do, I pray. And every time I'd pray, that couple would come back to me <laughs> with a bouncing baby child <laughs> or a big uh, baby bump. A little while later saying, praise God, you prayed for us. Look what God did. But here it is, I'm praying for people and it's not happening for me and I just no matter what we did we couldn't get children and 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 I kept asking God like really you're going to treat me like this I'm serving you I'm being faithful no matter how hard I'm praying nothing is changing and you know I want us to go back to the Bible because some of you this is where you are I want us to go into God's word because the Bible is full of stories of men and, of men and women who had similar situations, if not worse situations, than what we found ourselves in. And God worked in and through their lives. And I'm sure that if he did that, I'm convinced he will still work in mine, even though and even through the difficult situation. So let's start with the first story. And the first story I want to talk about is what happens when God is silent. When God is silent. When the director doesn't seem to be paying attention, even though you're calling out for help. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 11. And I'm going to read uh, some sections of it. Matthew 11, chapter 2. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 2 to 6. Matthew 11, verse 2 to 6. And here's what it says. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah that we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? You know those movies that start with an action sequence and they start boom, boom, boom and everything shooting and then they stop and then they say, five years earlier. Have you ever seen those movies? And then now they explain how we got there. So I want us just to pause that story right there and go back a little earlier, a little history so that you can understand what we just read. Our story starts with a, with a man called Herod the Great. 
And Herod was the king in Israel during the time of the Roman occupation. He was called the great, not because he was such a great guy. <laughs> no, far from it. It's because he was a great builder. He built many cities and many buildings. Uh, he was actually a pretty awful guy. And he had several wives. He murdered two of his wives. He murdered three of his sons. And he murdered one of his mothers-in-law. Remember, he had several mothers-in-law, so he murdered one of them. I mean, this guy was just horrible. He was, I mean, he was in the same league as Hitler and Idi Amin. I mean, this guy, this is a guy who, by the way, I mean, in the Christmas story, you know about him, isn't it? Because he's the one who murdered a whole town of all the boys who are two years and under because he heard that Jesus had been born. Any rival to him was just in trouble. This guy was so evil, another story you might not know because it's not in the Bible, that when he was about to die, he gave an order that all the prominent citizens should be arrested and put in prison. And he gave this order. On the day I die, I want you to execute all those citizens to make sure other people are mourning on the day I die. It's like, you guys aren't going to cry for me. I'm going to show you. You're going to cry. <laughs> and sure enough, people cried. I mean, what a guy. What a serious guy. This is the kind of guy we're talking about. So anyway, this guy died. Uh, his time came. He died to the great relief of many people. The Romans divided his kingdom into two, gave it to two of his sons, because the Romans were the ones who were really in charge. He was a puppet king. His sons were educated in Rome. And so they got two of the boys and they brought them in, gave the north one. Uh, the, the one in the south was called, given to a man called Her Herod Achilleus. And Galilee, where Jesus spent most of the time, was given to Herod Antipas. And, and Herod had a third son, an older son, who chose to remain in Rome, and he was called Herod Philip. So he wasn't a king. Uh, the, two, the two younger guys were given these kingdoms. So this Herod, the one who remained in Rome, Philip, he married his niece, a lady called Herodias, a very beautiful lady apparently, and they had a daughter called Salome. But here's where the scandal begins. I mean, the, the real housewives of, of Jerusalem started here. Because basically what happens is Herod comes, uh, Herod Antipas comes to Galilee to visit his brother, uh, Herod Philip. And guess what? As he's in the process of meeting his brother, greeting his brother, he falls in love for his brother's wife. And he basically seduces her and they fall in love for each other. And so he gets his brother's wife to divorce his, <laughs> her, her husband. He divorces his wife. And they get married. And then he takes her back to Jerusalem. I mean, like, seriously, your brother comes to your house and does that to you. That's just like, it's finished. That's just the wrong kind of guy. And so he takes her home as well as her daughter. And basically she becomes his wife. And it's a big scandal. It's a big scandal, but they feel nothing. And the problem is, for them, there's an entrance of a new character called John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist, uh, he, he was very interesting because he was this fearless guy. Uh, he was raised by God to prepare the way for the Messiah, for Jesus. And he had become a hero among the common people because he was not afraid. People, were, they loved John because he was not afraid to speak truth to power. And he was not afraid. He was an activist. He didn't fear to, to, to call out evil. And the problem is when Herod brought his wife, his stolen wife, to the state house, John knew it was against God's law. And John was the one guy who was not afraid to say, this is wrong, this is sin, and he preached loudly against it. And the queen, Herodias, she was quite a, a, a strong-minded woman, and she was furious, and she pushed her husband to do something about it. Herod was afraid of John. By the way, this is, the Bible's like a movie. It really is. Uh, Herod's afraid of, of John. And he doesn't want to do anything because he's, he's like, the people might rebel. And I'm not even sure who John really is. He looks like he's somebody. And so he decides not to kill him, but to throw him into prison. And you can read that whole story in Mark chapter 6. I mean, there's this big thing that happens and he throws him into prison. But his wife was still not content. And she wanted him dead. And John knew this. So, this, so here's poor John. He's been thrown into prison for a long time. Not for doing the wrong thing, mark you. He's 
simply following God. He's simply doing what his conscience has told him to do. He's simply being a whistleblower and saying, this is evil. It should not happen in our land. And I don't know if you've ever felt you're doing the right thing. And you've done it. You're trying to do the right thing to stay on the straight and narrow, but then bad things happen to you as a result. And that's exactly where John was. Now, if there's a time that John needed divine intervention, this was it. If ever God needed to make a grand entrance in someone's life, this was a critical moment. This was not the time for him to hide behind the scenes. He needed to be front and center because John had been faithful to him and he was calling out to God to help him. And here's what God did. Someone give me a drum roll. Nothing. Like zilch, zero. I mean like John is praying and God is saying nothing. And John must have said asking himself this question. I mean like, like who's, is Jesus for real? Like, I mean, I mean, I'm in the right thing. I'm, I'm representing him. I'm in a prison cell facing a threat to my life and he's doing nothing. And so one day when John's disciples, John's friends come to visit him in prison, he sends a message to Jesus and he asks them a question. And this is what we're about to read. Matthew chapter 11, verse 3. I mean, he, uh, the story continues. Uh, John speaks to these guys and says, ask Jesus this question. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? And here's what John is asking. Are you the one? Like, did I put my trust in the wrong place? Should my hope have been in something different? Are you really in charge here? Are you really the director of this show? Or should I be looking somewhere else for my direction? And, 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 and I wonder when he said this, whether his disciples were confused. It's like, wait a minute, John. You're the one who told us he's the one. Because John had been talking about Jesus and saying, this is the one. I mean, it's like you've spent your whole life preparing for the Messiah. You've even said to Jesus, because John had said these words about Jesus, he must become greater while I become less. And so what kind of question is this? Why are you trying to say, are you trying to say all along that you've not even been sure of what you're saying? I mean, I'm sure they were confused about what he was saying. But here's the thing. Isn't it interesting how our confidence about God becomes impacted by our circumstances? Yeah? I mean, none of us is immune to this. I mean, since the beginning of the year, maybe things have been working for you. Your job is going well. School is, you're passing well and people are happy with you. Things have been working out. Your relationships are good. And you feel so confident. God is on my side. And every time there's a prayer meeting, you share your testimony. My goodness, look at how God has answered my prayer. Your view of God is like, he's amazing. He's so incredible. I love God. But then you get into a situation like John the Baptist, where things are going south. You, you, you're still job hunting, even though you're praying. Your child has been in and out of hospital. Your marriage isn't working. You're failing your exams. Your bills are overdue and you're about to get auctioned. And you're praying and praying and nothing seems to be happening. And it feels like God doesn't care. And here's what happens. It's like somehow God becomes different when our circumstances become different. And it's like, is this the same God? And so here's John the Baptist with all he's known and seen about God and about Jesus all this time. He's the one who baptized him. He's the one who saw the Holy Spirit come down upon him and say, this is my beloved son whom I love, in whom I'm well pleased. And yet at this point when he's behind the prison cell, he begins to doubt. And he begins to say, who are you? Are you really the one? And I, I love what Jesus answers. In Matthew chapter 11, he continues to say in verse 4, Jesus told them, when the disciples come, John's disciples come and ask him, Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you've heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, 
God blesses those who don't fall away because of me. And John, I, I don't know what John was hoping for. I'm not sure this was the answer he had been hoping to hear. I suspect if I was John, I'd, been, I'd have been waiting for, John, for God, for Jesus to send a message and say, go tell him, I'm coming back. I'm coming for jailbreak. <laughs> like prison break is coming. Like, like we're coming. Like deliverance is coming. Like breakthrough is coming your way. Like that's the message that I've been hoping to get coming back. And, and his reasoning was like, if Jesus is a Messiah, he should know I'm in prison because of him. And he's ready to, he should be ready to bail me out. But Jesus' answer is completely different. He answers John's questions by pointing to what God was doing somewhere else. Look at what is going on outside your prison cell. Your mission was to prepare the way for me and look at what God is doing. God has used you. Your being in prison has not changed God's purpose for your life. God is still at work. Jesus is like, look, miracles are happening. You did your work. Things are happening. The different circumstances that you're in have not caught God by surprise. John, what you're going through doesn't change who God is. God is still in control. And Jesus was reminding John about the big picture. Here's, here's the crux of the matter. Here's the thing. And by the way, this, I learned this thing. It's a word that I believe that God has for every one of us who's watching this message. And here's, it's a very powerful reminder. Whatever situation you're in right now or you find yourself in in the future, that you need to remember this. Because I believe this is what God, this is what Jesus is telling John. That even when you don't see my hand, you can always trust my heart. You can always trust my heart. I believe that's what God is saying to someone right now. You don't see my hand. You don't see my intervention. You don't see what I'm doing, but you can trust me. That's what Jesus is saying. Look at what's happening. I'm in control. You can trust me. You know, it's very unfortunate that whenever we face a tough situation, we shrink God to the size of our situation. That's what happens with John. Here's the thing. John has been so clear who Jesus was until he got stuck in prison. And then he began to question him. He began to ask, is this one the one? And, and, and all he could see was his prison, the walls of his prison, morning, noon, and, and, and night. All he could see literally were the prison walls. And this is what happens to us. When we find like John the Baptist that we are trapped in difficult circumstances, all we can see are the walls of our circumstances. And unfortunately, we start to reach certain conclusions that these circumstances reflect what God thinks about me and what God feels about me. And God is saying, no, they don't. Look at the big picture. Look outside the walls of your prison cell. Your current circumstances don't reflect how I feel about you. Because listen to me, even when you don't see my hand, you can still trust my heart. You can still trust me. I know what I'm doing. You know, this is one of those truths, to be honest, that we love to hate. And I love to hate this truth as well. It's not an easy truth for us as human beings. You know, God is sovereign. What does that mean? It means... That yes, he can overrule your circumstances to fulfill your desires. He can. God can always change things to fulfill your desires. He can always overrule your circumstances. But you know what it also means? It also means God can also overrule your desires because he has another plan for your circumstances. In other words, God doesn't stop being God when our circumstances change. God's plan continues. And he's able to be God and still be able to overcome and to help us in good circumstances and in bad circumstances. You know, things may not have been going according to how John had envisioned it. But Jesus was saying to, uh, to John, what I believe he's saying to many of us today, will you stumble because you wanted something different from what I have to offer? Or will you follow in the path I have chosen to lead you in? Will you trust me in your life regardless of what you're going through? Listen, you trusted me when things were going good. I haven't changed. Will you now trust me when things are not going as good for you? Because even when you don't see my hand, 
you can still trust my heart. I really believe this is God's word to somebody here. That listen, you may not see where things are happening. You may not understand how things are going, but you can trust the heart of your father. You see, there's a bigger picture for you beyond the prison cell, beyond the, big, the good times and the bad times. You may not understand it right now. You may not even see it. And maybe some of you may not even understand, get to understand it in this life. Here's a crazy thing. Sometimes it will never make sense until you meet Jesus face to face. But God wants you to trust him anyway. Ah, that situation with your parents may not make sense to you and it may never make sense. But God is saying, I want you to trust me anyway. Because even when you don't see my hand, you can still trust my heart. John, his disciples go back and they report to, 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 to him what they've seen Jesus say and do. And I believe that this is what God, God wants us to read this message today. Because he's saying to someone right now, look at what I've done in your life. Uh, he told his disciples, he told John's disciples, look at what you've seen me do. And, and, and somebody is saying, and God is saying to somebody here today, look at all the answered prayers. When you're a troubled teenager, I rescued you and I provided you with the things you prayed for, things you never thought you could get. I gave you food. I provided you with transport. I gave you friends who've walked with you. I saved your marriage when you prayed. I, I helped you get the school fees that you were so desperate for. I gave you a child. Listen, all those times I extended grace to you and protected you in difficult circumstances. It was real. It was true and hasn't changed. I have not changed. And God is saying, look outside your current prison walls. Forget the prison right now. Just look outside and take courage that the same God who was real yesterday is real today. The same God who was real outside the prison cell is still the same God who is real in that prison cell. And just because he's not doing what you want right now doesn't make him less of your God. Because even when you don't see his hand, you can still trust his heart. So I want to just challenge somebody. I, 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 we're going to be talking a lot, of, about, a lot more. We're going to get a lot deeper in this issue. But today, I just wanted us to remember this one truth, that God is sovereign. And this is who He is. We must always look outside the prison cell, outside our circumstances. Remember, our circumstances don't change who God is. The same God who loved me in the past loves me today. Take courage. He was real in the past. He's still real today. And just because He's not doing what I want Him to do right now doesn't make Him less my Father, doesn't make Him less my God. When God is silent, He is not absent. Come on, somebody. Yeah, God is not absent. He's still there in spite of the fact that things haven't changed. It's as if God looked through the portal of time and He's saying, I see your frustration. I see your hopelessness. I see that you're on the verge of walking out on your marriage, of walking out of your faith, of giving up on me. And God is saying, I bless those who don't stumble. This is what Jesus says to, to John. Blessed are those who don't stumble on account of me. I bless those who don't stumble or turn away when things don't go their way. Because even when you don't see my hand, you can always trust my heart. And so I shared with you, as I conclude, about God's silence when we prayed for children. And you know, that was a difficult time for us. Here's the thing. Here's the answer to that prayer. You are, I'm sure you're wondering, how did it turn out? God never did allow Caro and I, Pastor Caro and I, to have biological children. Never happened. We prayed, and eventually we came to the conclusion that we need to go ahead and adopt our children. And that's what we did. We adopted our children. It was a tough journey. Can you imagine as pastors just coming to the conclusion that God will not bless us in the way we think He should bless us? And until today, I'm not even sure why God took us through that journey. Sometimes, Maybe it becomes clear because we help many couples. We've had many conversations with couples who want to adopt. And we thought maybe this is why God allowed us. But it was a painful journey, I must say. 
And even today, there are big things we're trusting Him for in our lives that we don't know if we're going to get them. Even as pastors, we don't know if God is going to give them to us. But here's the thing we've come to understand, that we can trust He has the bigger picture. That what looks like a cell for us today, that God is big inside that space and outside that space. And He wants us to learn to trust Him anyway. He's still our Father. He wants us to remain faithful when things are working and looking good, when things are not working. He wants us to know that His plan for our lives remains intact, regardless of whether things work out for us or not. And one of the things that Pastor Carrie and I have learned to say is even when we can't see His hand, we have learned to trust His heart. Will you not do this today? Will you not choose today and say to God, Lord, I may not see your hand in my marriage. I may not see your hand in my situation at school right now. Lord, my economics are not working out the way I would want. Things are not going well. But Father, I don't see your hand, but I choose to trust your heart. Let me pray for us as we conclude. Father, I thank you because I believe that in this house, there's a person who is blessed by this message. There's someone who has been encouraged, maybe someone who was almost giving up, almost walking out, almost laying down and saying, God doesn't care. The director has abandoned me. But Lord, as they hear this word, it's a word directly from their father to their heart. And it's saying, don't give up. You may not see my hands, but I'm there behind the scenes. You can trust my heart. The same God who's delivered you in the past is here to deliver you today. You can trust he's got the best plan for you. And so if you're here and this is you, I just want you to just come on just right now in surrender. Say, God, I choose to trust you. I choose to trust you, Lord. Lord, I may not be in control of how things work out. They may not work out the way I want them to. But Lord, I have chosen that I surrender to you. Not my will, but yours be done. I choose to trust you. And right now, even as I pray, maybe you're here and you gave up on your faith because you felt disappointed by God in challenges you faced in unanswered prayer. And maybe you're here and God is speaking to you and He's saying, listen, I'm, I'm knocking at your door. I haven't given up on you. You might have given up on me, but I haven't given up on you. And I want you to come back home. I want you to give your life back to me because it's the place it belongs. I'm still your father. I haven't changed. And if this is you, I'd love to pray for you. So if this is you, just say these words after me. Dear Jesus, forgive me for moving away from you. I gave up, but thank you that you never gave up on me. And this day, I choose to come back home. I give you my life. I may not understand how things are going, but I will choose to trust you. And from today, I am yours. I belong fully to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you for your children and thank you for all those who've prayed that prayer. Strengthen our faith. Encourage us so that, Lord, we'll trust you when things are good, but we'll also trust you when things don't go our way. We thank you, Lord, because even when we don't see your hands, we choose to trust your heart. And we pray these things in the mighty and matchless name of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.